Uh, No one really likes farewells, do they? Uh, The farewell party can be a lot of fun, sharing memories, connecting up with people, perhaps that we haven't seen for a little while, but we hate the final goodbye. You know, where the people that we love, who are leaving, get into the car and drive away. Or or when you go to the the boarding gate at the airport and they get on and you're saying goodbye and you're not sure when you might see them again, saying goodbye is sad. Young kids have got it right. Even when mum or dad's gone away for just a short time, I don't want you to go down to Nunnawal shops and buy milk. You will be away too long. We hate farewells and the longer the goodbye the sadder it is on friday i had the sad honor of leading the funeral for adrian root the 17 year old schoolboy uh, who 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 who, uh, died here in canberra during uh, a school class on mount ainsley just a bit over a week ago it was very sad for all the happy memories that we could share in the service and and later on in the afternoon, it was awful to say farewell. Death makes us so aware of the turmoil and the distress and the sadness that overshadows our lives in a broken world. Now John 14 that we've just read and that we're looking at at the moment is a farewell John 14 is a farewell moment between Jesus and his disciples. This is the night before Jesus will die on a cross. The disciples don't know this yet, but Jesus knows it. We know it as we're reading. For the disciples, this is sad. Jesus talks about going away, it is unsettling for them. It is disorientating. They don't quite understand what is happening. And in this farewell moment, Jesus invites them to know extravagant peace with him. Jesus calls them, and it's written down here for us, calling us to, into a place where we can face every day of life and death with comfort and steady perseverance until he returns. The crisis here that unsettles the disciples is that Jesus is going to go away and they can't go with him. Let's look back into chapter 13 again at verse 33. This is where the crisis begins for them. Chapter 13, verse 33... Jesus says, my little children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. The disciples don't know where Jesus is going. So verse 36, Simon Peter asks Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? The disciples are unsettled, sad and disoriented by what's going on. 
Where is Jesus going? Jesus knows, and we know, it's not supposed to be a surprise, Jesus is going to his death on the cross. This is his Father's good plan that he knows and that he is obedient to, that he will walk this path to deal with the sin of the world. And this is the path that will be Jesus' glorification. Now Jesus says that he goes on this path, he needs to go away from his disciples, ahead of them, to make preparations. Chapter 14, verse 2, chapter 14, verse 2. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going." The disciples would have known of the family custom at that time that when a son grew up and it was time for him to have a home of his own, he didn't buy a house on the other side of the suburb, he didn't move to the other side of the country, but he would add on a room of his own to his father's home. Like a little unit would go onto the side. And for wealthy families, as they added units on and around, they would, they would be quite expansive with, with courtyards and trees uh, in between and uh, flowing water and terraces and it would be more elaborate but it was the custom that when it was time for the son to have his own home, it was added on to the side. I think we do it the flip way around here when it's time that we add on the granny flat uh, for the grandparents, don't we, uh, in, in some cases and that is a good thing. I'll leave it to you to decide whether children adding granny flats on the side of homes is a good thing in our culture. Leave it to you. But in, Je- in the culture of the disciples, that was what they were used to. Jesus is telling them that he is going ahead of them to add a unit on to the Father's home for each one of them. But not just them alone, there is room for many, Jesus says. Now, Jesus is talking about more than a family home. Jesus is talking about more than a granny flat that might enable them to live in for the years of their life. He is talking about an eternal home with himself and God the Father, a home, an eternal home with God for everyone who belongs to Jesus. Now, the disciples knew about life after death with God. But still here, they don't quite get it. They don't quite understand how it intersects with who Jesus is and what he's doing. And so as Jesus talks about this home with his father, they're looking for a roadmap, a roadmap of how to get there. Jesus, give us the directions. Give us the GPS coordinates so we can plug them in so we know where to find you and this place. Verse 5, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They're looking for a road map. They're looking for how to get there. Jesus says, 
He is the way there. He is the way in. We use our GPS, Google Maps. When we look for directions, we usually get two or three different route options, don't we, when we plug it in. And then we can weigh up the different route options. Which one is less distance? Which one takes the least amount of time? We know a little bit more than Siri does and we can kind of anticipate traffic hold-ups on the route that she thinks might be uh, the quickest. (coughs) We might choose to take the more scenic route. (coughs) Whichever route we do take that our GPS gives us, each route will get us to the place where we want to go. When it comes to eternity, life in eternity, the only route, the only option to get us there is with Jesus. Now this is a real sticking point for the Christian faith. You might have been a Christian, a believer for a lot of years and and feel really comfortable in your faith and that is a wonderful thing. But what Jesus says here is a real sticking point for the Christian faith. It is something that is, that is quite grating and unsettling. You see, in what Jesus says, He is not compatible with other paths to God. Jesus' claim is so exclusive that He is either 100% right or 100% wrong. Have you got your head around that? as a Christian, that if your faith is with Jesus, that if your trust is with Jesus, it is incompatible to think that there might be another way to God, that other paths might get there. Jesus, and only Jesus, goes ahead to prepare the place in eternity with God. Now as Jesus goes, He is preparing His disciples for their temporary separation from Him. Uh, In chapter 13, which those who were here we looked at last week, Jesus tells His disciples about the brand that they are to be recognised by. The brand of extravagant service, loving like Jesus has loved them. (coughs) Chapter 14 tells them about the state of mind that they are to have. It's one of extravagant peace. What Jesus has to say to them in chapter 14 starts with a command... Verse 1 of chapter 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus is saying, Don't be unsettled. Don't be in a flap. Don't be thrown off course. Trust in me. Believe. He's not just having a go at them. 
for being unsettled or in a flap. There's a sense of comforting to this, of urging that they can believe and obey what Jesus says here because of what Jesus is telling them about himself. It is possible for them to not have troubled hearts. They can have confidence in who Jesus is. They have seen the signs that he has been doing, signs that he has been doing so that they might believe who Jesus is. So that now they can believe what Jesus tells them about the time of their temporary separation. And so these are the things that he tells them about. One, that he goes to prepare a place for them and then he's going to come back and get them. We've seen that in verses 2 to 4. In verse 11, Jesus says that he's going, he enables him to show them who the Father is. In his going, verses 12 to 14, he will enable them for doing his works and mission beyond his death. Verse 15, there's this longer section where Jesus says he will send his spirit to them. Let's have a little bit more detailed look at that from verse 15. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit is a counsellor, not somebody that we uh, go into their little office and sit in the sit in the comfortable chair and, 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 and wonderfully and helpfully uh, process who we are and, and what's been going on. Uh, the, 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 the word here is more of a legal type of word. It's like an advocate. It's a, it's a legal advisor. In the New Testament, it's related to the word that's translated encourage, comfort and encourage. We can look here at what, what the Spirit does. <clears throat> Uh, First of all, the Spirit is going to be Jesus' presence with His disciples. Verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. He's going to come and be present with His disciples, present with believers, present with us by His Spirit. By His Spirit, God the Father and Jesus the Son dwell with us now. Verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching, my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. You see, as Jesus is going away from his disciples to the Father to prepare a heavenly home, a heavenly dwelling for all who belong to him in this world right now as Jesus goes and his Spirit comes, God the Father and Jesus the Son dwell with him us now. Other things we see about the Spirit, the Advocate, verse 26, the Spirit reminds us of what Jesus taught. Over in chapter 15, we're going to come to uh, this in two weeks' time, uh, the, the, the Spirit will bear testimony to who Jesus is. Over in chapter 16, the Spirit will convict the world of sin and unrighteousness. Uh, Further on in chapter 16, the Spirit guides disciples into truth and tells them of what is to come in the future. You see, Jesus is not leaving His disciples in the world alone, Jesus does not leave us alone, but Jesus is present by His Spirit. And so the present reality 
for Jesus' disciples and all who belong to Him is peace. Verse 27. This is not just a casual greeting or a religious-sounding farewell from Jesus to His disciples. As He said at the start of chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Here He kind of closes it out in verse 27. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Think about how peace comes about in our world, how, how peace came about in that world back then. Peace was something that came after war. Peace was a victory that came after bloodshed and death. Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. I give you peace. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus can't promise the absence of trouble and turmoil in the world. Jesus can't promise His disciples, nor us, that we'll never experience trouble. In fact, Jesus promises the opposite. And for His disciples, those 11 that are with Him, the next 24 hours will prove that the days ahead for them are full of turmoil and trouble. But what Jesus can promise is his peace, a peace that gives a steady composure to be faithful in the face of all life and death. It's the confidence for Jesus' disciples and for us to keep lining our lives up with Jesus' glory. I talked a moment ago about the last funeral I did. The first funeral I ever did was for a man who found Jesus' peace in just the weeks before he died. He became a Christian hearing a sermon that I was preaching on Romans chapter 5. He had a life of turmoil, a life of relationships that felt like there was no peace in them like he didn't have peace with God. And this opening sentence of Romans 5 gripped him and showed him peace. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Since we have been justified, since we have been declared to be in the right with God because of what Jesus has done for us while we were still ungodly, while we were still God's enemies, because God reached out to us from His side, since we have been justified, we have peace with God. For this elderly man, this Peace and knowing this peace absolutely transformed his life. It changed the way that he saw his relationships with his family. He sought to put things right. Now in those last weeks of his life, and he didn't know at the time that they were to be his last weeks, but he faced some hard days. He faced some hard decisions Yet he could face every one of those days and even that moment of his death with steady confidence 
to keep lining his life up with Jesus. It was an unforgettable joy for me to read these words at his funeral. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is what Jesus leaves his disciples with. We want this too. We want a steady certainty of life into death. At almost every funeral that I have been to, of believers and unbelievers, more than 50 funerals, we see at a funeral a longing for something beyond the grave. In that great passage of Ecclesiastes that tells us about a, a time to be born and a time to die and a time for this and a time for that, that passage tells us that God has placed eternity on the hearts of all people. We are all longing for an eternity. We are all longing for life beyond this grave. We do not want there to be a farewell or a goodbye in death. Jesus alone promises this eternity. Jesus alone prepares the way into it. Jesus alone shows us the way there. Jesus alone offers us peace in the present to face life and death in a broken world. Into our turmoil, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Last week I shared with you Life Plan 111. As we go through uh, these sermons in the back end of John's Gospel, I'm trying to give you one clear thing that you can set up as a plan in your life for living in this world and knowing the life that Jesus offers. Life plan 111. I won't go into it again now. Jump on SoundCloud or iTunes, our podcast, and, and catch up on that. Here's life plan for today. Here is our game plan for going out into this week and the days ahead. It's life plan one way. Life plan one way. We want the extravagant peace that Jesus offers. We want to be like Jesus' disciples who were there on the night before he died, who heard from Jesus, my peace I give to you. We want that. People round about us are longing for it without knowing how to find it. To know this peace and to share this peace in the world, we must know life plan one way. Jesus says it for us. 
I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Life plan one way. We must be clear in our own minds that that is what we know, that what is, that is what we believe, that that is what we share, that that is what we have to offer the world. Life plan one way. There is no one else who can bring steady peace in the face of turmoil. There is no other way to chart a peaceful course into eternity than with Jesus. This morning we saw an example of how Simon and Sammy have signed up to life plan one way. That they might commit themselves to prayerfully raising Callum and Early in the true knowledge of Jesus. That is life plan one way. And we know, they know, that there will be hard days ahead. There will be disappointing days, there will be sad days... There'll be days when they feel tired and not wanting to live up to that. There'll be times when kids let them down, when one another let them down, when they're let down by other things in the world. There'll be days where they are sad and disappointed. But life plan one way steadies their faith with peace to persevere. That's life plan one way. To know and believe that there's no one else who can bring a steady peace that there's no other way to chart a peaceful course into eternity than with Jesus.